Good morning, thank you. Um, I would like to, good morning church. I would like to thank Pastor Joe and um, Pastor Isha for giving me this privilege. And um, I want us to please stand to our feet so that we can thank the Lord and worship and welcome his Holy Spirit. His presence is here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in their midst. And I just want to, whilst you, just, just wave unto the Holy Spirit. Just thank him for his presence. Just thank him. Father, we thank you for your presence. Father, we acknowledge you, Lord. Where will we be without you, Lord? We are no longer a slave to fear. We bless your holy name. Father, in the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, fall afresh on us. Let every ear be open, O Lord, to hear your word. Father, declare unto us that which you want us to know in this season of our time. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Just give the Lord a mighty clap offering. Amen. You may take your seats. You may take your seats. Thank you. Wow. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to be anywhere else. Amen. And I pray that will be your testimony. Amen. Amen. It's very interesting. Um, as I, was, I received a message that I'll be sharing today. And I started praying. The Lord open something up to me and um we are in the month of august isn't it and today is the 12 isn't it and i asked the lord why on a day like why did you choose such a day for me to share and this is what i felt the lord saying you know the meaning of do you know the meaning of august right my soul members who know amen the meaning of august august is a sacred month amen then first of all, August is the eighth month of the year, yeah? And the number eight in spiritual terms is a number for new beginnings, amen? And the number 12 today, 12, whenever you see 12 in spiritual terms, it represents authority, amen? It represents government and government is authority, amen? Amen. We're going to take our authority this morning, amen? God is into the numbers game. And August really means inspiring reverence, admiration of supreme dignity grandeur majesty kingly lordly royal exalted prestigious and so on and on that is the meaning of august amen so whenever you enter into a month of august know that is a new beginning and also the word august which comes from um the latin word augustus which means consecrated sacred amen it's a sacred month and every time there is a new or there's a beginning of everything god is so interested in it amen and the first of the month i mean eight representing new beginnings and august and the augustus representing sacred amen god wants you to be consecrated and set apart for him amen and so every time august comes in your life in each year remember it's a consecrated month amen it's a very good month to, to fast amen amen if you can turn your bibles to um the book of luke chapter 2 verses 41 to 50. the message i'm going to preach to you is entitled the zeal for god's house amen the zeal for god's house amen right and the scriptures reads his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of the passover and when he was 12 years old interestingly 12 years old 
when he was 12 years old, that is Jesus we're talking about here, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Amen. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Amen. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Amen. Tell the person next to you, I must be about my father's business. Amen. Christianity is a serious business. Amen. And God is very passionate about his house. Amen. Okay. So we're talking about zeal here. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, Because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. What is the spirit of the Lord trying to tell us? You see, you need to be deliberate in this Christian walk. Amen. You need to be passionate for the house of God. You need to be passionate for God and his house. Amen. Now, uh, uh, in my house, I, I tell my children that those who are passionate within the house have taken ownership of it. You see, when you are passionate about something, you take ownership of it. So if you take ownership of God and his house, your approach to everything that has the name God on it will be different. Amen. When you come to church, you want to get here on time. Amen. When there are ish, I mean, there, are, there is work in the church, there is other things that you can support because you are zealous. Amen. You will make sure you are part of it. Amen. I want to give you a quick meaning of zeal. Now, zeal means to be devoted. Amen. Or diligent. Full of. I like that one. Full of. You know. To be passionate. You see, if you really, really want to make a difference in your life and your work with God, and you want to see major breakthroughs in the areas that you are seeking God for, I will employ you, I will beseech you this morning that you have to make God zealous for yourself. Amen. You need to be passionate about God. You need to be passionate about his name. You need to be passionate about his kingdom. You need to be passionate about everything that pertains to God. You need to say to yourself, that is why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we what? We will serve the Lord. Why? Because Joshua understood something that we need to come to. Amen. When you come to that place of understanding, zeal becomes a very, very eminent with you. Zeal becomes a common thing for you. Amen. If you are not zealous and passionate about that which you're doing, I'm telling you, you're not going to see the fruit of it. And as a matter of fact, it will be very challenging. You know, when you are zealous about something, you will receive a supernatural grace, amen, that makes it easier. You can wake up on time. You can get here before everyone is here. 9.30, this place is open. Why? Because you're zealous about your God. You remember when you first, those that have fallen in love before, you remember when you can't wait to check your phone in the morning, because you want to see what messages is on, isn't it? That is what you want. The first message should be from God. Thank God for the Bible app. At least it sends us reminders of the scripture for the day. Amen. The Bible app is reminding you that you need to begin your day with God. Amen. 
Amen. I want, I want to talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a very interesting prophet. He heard a news about Jerusalem literally has been devastated. And many people heard it, but their reaction was different. But God made sure there was a man who was zealous. Amen. No wonder the Bible says David was after God's own heart. Because why? He was zealous. When Nehemiah heard this, he wept. Because why? Jerusalem is the holy city, isn't it? So he wept. And he did everything that he could to rebuild the city back. Amen. He went out of his way. You know, he was even in a different kingdom. He beseeched the king to allow him to go and rebuild the walls. When he got there, God always makes sure there is provision when you make yourself available. Tell the person next to you that God has already made provision for your next move. He has made provision for your next move. The only problem is you have not been zealous for him. The only problem is you haven't seen why you have to make yourself available. But he can only pour into you when you open up. Amen. Say open up, open up, open up to the Holy Spirit. We've been praying for outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you need to open your spirit up to be able to receive what is pouring into you. Amen. Amen. So Nehemiah then makes his journey. Now let me tell you something. When you become, you make a decision that you want to be zealous for God, you know what's going to happen? There are people who will be around you, who will be questioning you. Why are you doing this? Why do you have to do this? Why is everything about God and God and God? Amen. There are people who will try and discourage you. And there are people who even come your way and say, why don't you let us go and do A, B, C, D instead of doing the things of God? But when you are zealous, there's a revelation that comes. When you are zealous, there's a revelation that comes. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18 reads, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, say the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Tell the person next to you that I'm a saint. You are a saint. The Bible calls you a royal priesthood. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Amen. So when Nehemiah had revelation because his eyes of his understanding has been enlightened. When the eyes of your understanding is enlightened. You see, I never thought that my understanding has literally eyes. That is why there are some things when they're spoken to you, you don't understand. Do you know why? Because the eyes of your understanding has not been enlightened. Every time the word is about to come, ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit, Lord, open up my understanding. It is in your understanding that you get revelation. And you cannot walk in just the scriptures on its own. You need revelation because each scripture has a deeper meaning to it. Amen. You cannot just read the word and just, you know, you need deeper revelation. So Nehemiah had had this revelation. And then when he started to rebuild the walls, these guys called um, Sanbiat and Tobias, they came and they started to mock him. Listen, if you don't decide that you want to follow Jesus, you know the songs that we sang in the worship? You need to make Jesus really, really personal. Amen. 
You see, the Bible says, the time cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You see, the Bible says, let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. But when it comes to worship, it says, let, what? They that will worship him as worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. You, anybody can praise God, but when it comes to worship, it's a relationship thing. Amen. Worship is a relationship thing. Amen. That is why you need to be zealous for the house of God. You need to be zealous for God because it's going to make it so easy. Because passion comes in. Amen. When passion comes in, comes in everything becomes easy. But when you want, to resist, you want to resist and then next minute, you, you, know, you can't serve God on your terms. You have come into a kingdom and there are rules of engagement. So if you want to walk in victory, if you want to see breakthroughs, if you want to see things being turned around, I'm telling you, there are people that you've been praying for to be saved. It doesn't look like they will be saved. But when you make God a passion and become zealous and be consistent on those prayers, you will see them coming in. Over the few months, I've seen people that have been praying for that I never thought they will even respond. But let me tell you, the prayer answerer is not me, neither is he you. He said, I am the God of all flesh. I answer by fire. And if you let the king of glory come in, I am telling you, you will begin to see things turning around in your life. I am telling you that your house will be in order. Oh, it's a privilege that I'm standing here. If you know what I've been through, the storm came. But the Bible says when the storm comes rushing in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against it. Amen. When the storms came and blowing my house down and tearing everything apart, God said, you know, you see, whatever God sends a test is a temptation from the devil. Any temptation to you is a test. The only problem is we keep failing. The moment you see it as a test, you do it differently. You will try and go through it. And let me tell you, the moment you go through that test, oh Lord have mercy. Your level that he's going to push you and elevate you to, you have no idea. God wants to bring promotion to you. Some of you are praying for wives, you are praying for husbands. But the reason why they haven't come yet, maybe if the, 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 the husband or the wife had come here, uh, last year, you would have stopped doing the things you're doing. Don't let the blessing become a curse. I said be zealous for God. When you are zealous for God, there is nothing you will put in place of. Everything that comes is a bonus. The wife is a bonus. The husband is a bonus. The job is a bonus. Why would I pray for a job and the job becomes a curse? I I can no longer come to church because I have a job. Because I want to earn extra money. Well, let me tell you, your God owns everything in this world. Oh, the devil is a liar. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Amen. And the devil doesn't want you walking in it. The devil is a liar. I know what God has done in my life. And he's a prayer answering God. Just worship him for a moment. Tell him to open your eyes of understanding. Let him give you an eyes, a vision, a revelation. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. He's a prayer answering God. Had it not been the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? The enemy almost took me and my family out. But the devil was a liar. 
there was an inner that is why parents you need to teach your children the bible says train up a child the way they should go when when they have grown they will not depart they may stray but they will not depart when i strayed i didn't depart because there was an inner voice here i was down but i said lord i know you are there i know i'm going through a challenge but i know you are there and guess what when the lord came oh lord everything seems like yesterday hallelujah we serve a good god we serve a good god and he wants to give you the bible says it is the father's will to give you the pleasures of the kingdom the only reason why certain things haven't materialized yet is because it will become a curse to you you have not gravitated to the place of discipline where you say to yourself as for me and my house we will serve the lord i don't care about whose celebration it is i am serving my god i am not straying for any i am not going the other way i am going god's way it is god's way or no other way the lord wants to bless you amen your husband is just waiting and he's frustrated because you don't want to get it right your wife is waiting and she's frustrated because you don't want to get it right. Get your act together and be in line for the kingdom. Be zealous for God. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Be zealous for God. Be zealous for God. It is out of the zeal things are best out of you out of zeal communities are waiting on you out of zeal god wants to save everyone in your workplace but you're not getting something right because you want to get involved in the conversation what is different from being the light everybody's talking this way no i want to be the light remember wherever you are you are the salt and you are the light for god wants to use you to bring people in amen hallelujah hallelujah i want to read this scripture Glory to God, glory to God. In closing, I want to read a scripture. Oh, I don't have enough time. I've been, hallelujah. Bear with me a second, please. Glory, just give the Lord a clap of him whilst I get a scripture. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a good God. Glory. I will conclude with this. Luke 16, verse 16. God is a very on an awesome God and he's interesting the way God is in the numbers game look Luke 16 16 says the law and the prophets were unto John since that time the kingdom has been preached and everyone is pressing into it may I remind you today that if you want to see the breakthroughs and achievements in your life you need to start pressing into the kingdom because as the kingdom is being preached to you it is your decision to say I want to press in it is those who press in they are the ones because I told you worship is not for everybody everybody can praise anyone if you, even if you give a, a, a devil if you give them anything they're gonna praise the Lord they're gonna say praise the Lord every the Bible says it's a command let everything that has breath praise the Lord but when it comes to worship he wants it done in truth and in what in spirit amen amen I want you to just pray as um, I close I want you to just pray over you as I close just lift your hands to the Lord make wherever you sit in as an altar father we bring ourselves before you this morning father anyone upon hearing my voice holy spirit father let understanding be enlightened father father we pray that zeal will come upon everybody right now that wherever each one finds themselves they will be zealous for god for they will know who they are and who they belong to father we pray for grace of the supernatural zeal to come upon every member of this church in including those viewing online in the mighty name of Jesus we are prayed give your Lord the Lord a mighty clap of amen 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Steve. Zeal for God's house has consumed us. I think you can see in, in, in Steve the way he is. He is definitely passionate for the Lord and zealous. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, David, if you'd like to come. Amen. Well, Steve preached powerfully there, so it's usually difficult for the second person. Yeah? Because the way he delivered that, thank, thank God for that word. Father, we just want to thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for everything that you're depositing within us. Lord, even as we continue to look into your word, I pray for your anointing and for your touch. Anoint each and everybody here, including me, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about purpose. I believe the Lord wants me to talk about purpose. Um, and I've entitled this God's Design. Uh, but uh, it's, it's more so I want to discuss purpose. One thing about teaching on purpose, I was telling my wife that this becomes very difficult because we've heard about purpose so many times. And then David is coming with purpose again. But I'm going to give my best. You see, one thing about God is, what I see with God is that God is a very focused God. He's a God of purpose. And one thing I've discovered is that when you give your life to Christ... God brings focus in your life. All of a sudden, there's focus in your marriage. You want to get your marriage right. There's focus in your job place. You want to be on time. There's no longer stealing at work. Focus has come. See, God is a God of focus. God is a God of purpose. When God created Adam, he wanted to have sons. So he created Adam so that he could have sons. But Adam failed. But because God is so much focused on purpose, his purpose that he wants to have sons, he actually sent Jesus again. So that he could have sons again. This time he wanted to do it right. God will do it again. He will. He will do it again. Things that have happened in your life and you've shelved your purpose, God is going to do it again. As I said, God is very, very serious about purpose. I like to watch the, the nature channels, the National Geographic. I watch uh, about the, the, the cosmos and how um, the stars are and how they function, how their plants grow. And sometimes I get my wife. Every time I preach, I have to mention my wife and she says she's going to rebuke me later on. But... I get my wife, Carl, let, let's watch this. And I could sit down and watch hours and hours. And I tell my wife, come, let's watch it. And say, it's okay, you can watch it. Yeah, but I like to watch a purpose. And what I see with God is God doesn't make things identical. He doesn't. He doesn't make anything identical. Everything is unique. Even identical twins are not identical. Everything that God has created is unique everything and what I've seen is God does not create things just for beauty from what I've seen the flowers look very beautiful but when I study nature and I've seen how some of the insects have been built some insects can see certain colors just certain colors and they've been created so that they can go and pollinate a certain flower and so there can be a germination process while, our, while we are looking at the beauty, God is looking at purpose and focus. 
It is beautiful to us, but God is looking at purpose and focus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Very well-known scripture. I will read it. Come to me, all those who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, we who have grown up in the Western world, sometimes read the, the Bible and it does for us a disservice. When I grew up in, in Kenya, we used to take oxen and we used to put a yoke on them. And the yoke there was for purpose. So that the yoke, the oxen can focus on what needs to be done. And when God is saying that, take my yoke upon me, it is light. He's actually saying that, I will put this burden on you. It is light. It is not heavy. But it is meant for purpose, for focus, for there's something that needs to be done. Something that you need to do. God told Peter, Matthew chapter 4 verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. Your job is to follow. God's job is to make. Your job is to follow. God's job is to make. You see when God told Joseph you're going to become a prime minister. Told him at this stage yeah, you're going to become the prime minister. And then eventually he became a prime minister. In between here so many things happened in between here, which God did not tell him. Oh, yeah. And God gives you a word. He calls you to do something, but he won't tell you what's going to happen in between. I guess if he told you what was going to happen in between here, you'd say, no, thank you. Say, here, you're going to become a prime minister. But I didn't know you're going to be sold into slavery. You're going to be put into a hole, a deep hole. And you're going to come out of that hole and then you're going to be accused of rape. And everybody be put into prison. He didn't tell him all this. He didn't tell him that your brothers are going to sell you. My brothers. I've got four brothers. I've got three brothers. <laughs> Who I love dearly. And I'm just imagining if they, if they sold me into slavery. So let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. That's what, they, they, that, that's, what they, that's what the that's what the original intention was that they are going to kill him. So, my friends, God is calling you to do something. The yoke and the burden is light. Please, the yoke and the burden is light. Please do not feel you know heavy-hearted. He says, "What? Follow me, and I will make you." In between here, they're going to be troubles. They're going to be buffetings. They're going to be pressings in and out. But God is making, making something out of you. Purpose. Focus. So there are certain things that God will require of you. Or certain questions that God will require of you. First question is, who am I? Who am I? Who are you? First question you need to ask yourself. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
Who do people say that the Son of Man is? So in other words, God desires to be known. And what did they reply? They said, um, I think uh, you must be John the Baptist. You must be Elijah. I think you must be Jeremiah because what they were used to in those days is God would raise up prophets at specific times. So they're saying this is just a, another prophet. And then he asked them, but you guys here, you've been with me for a while. Who do you say I am? Who, 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 who do you say I am? And then Peter replied and he said, um, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I want to stress the word living. You're, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And he goes on to tell Peter that I will build my church upon your name and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will give you the keys in plural. Keys, not key. Different keys. I will help you at different times to unlock different situations. Keys of heaven. And whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose, already, be, already loose in heaven. So here we see God asking, uh, God asking them, who, who am I? And they answer and say, you are the Christ. This tells me something. It tells me that if I recognize God for who he is, he will tell, you, he will tell me who am, who am I. So Peter said, you are the Christ. And he told Peter that you are the one who's going to build the foundations of the church. Because you have said that you have actually acknowledged who am I in all truthfulness, I'm going to tell you who you are. So if you want to discover who you are, you've got to acknowledge God for who he is. You've got to come and acknowledge God for who he is. You've got to give your life to Christ. And then he will tell you who you are. Remember, as he tells you who you are, it's progressive. Remember Joseph, it's progressive. But the first thing is that God brings focus. You give your life to Christ, he brings focus. And as you go along, he reveals to you more and more of who you are. Testimony time. Shall I testify? Yes. It's testimony time. <laughs> when I came, I came to England in 1994, September. And I used to work in the supermarkets. The co-op supermarkets, filling shelves. And I used to come to church. I used to come to church. And somebody gave me a word in church. I was filling shelves then. And he told me, I believe I was filling shelves then. He told me, God has brought you to this country. And uh, the Lord has brought you to this country to teach people in this country. To enlighten people in this country. I was looking at him, thinking to myself, you know, I'm filling shelves. I'm not educated. I haven't gone to university. But I've been called to teach people in this, <laughs> in this country. <laughs> so, and I, I took the word. And uh, progressively, by the way, way before I started teaching... I used to be a great stammerer. For if you told me to stand in front of people, I'll start stammering. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I'll start sweating. And I'll say one or two things and I'll sit down. And I heard this word and I said, how can this be? How can this be? How will I stand in front of people and teach people? How? How? Over the years, I've seen God move in my life. Eventually, I went to university and now I'm, I'm a lecturer in university. 
remember the first day I went to lecture at university. Thank God for that. We thank God for that. Purpose, focus. As you follow God, he will make you. I said, follow him. And he will make you. So the first thing is, who am I? The second thing is, where did I come from? Where did you come from? Some people say that we came from an arch gorilla. We came from a, a mega monkey. In Kenya, they even show us where these caves are. All Dubai Gorge. This is where Homo habilis came from. I used to think, and I was in Kenya, this is an insult. Why can't they take this to the other countries and tell us that they came from those caves there? They came from here? The, the, the apes? The Australopithecus. Where did you, do you come from? Listen, you've been born from above. You've been born from above. Because I've been born from above, I do not think the way the secular people should think. I don't fear when people fear. I don't get anxious because that is the norm. I should get anxious. If someone double crosses me, I should get angry. No, I've been born from above and I set my things on the things that are above. In fact, in the book of Revelations, it says that there was a beast and he deceives those who dwell on the earth. Where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? Pastor Joe was telling us, where do you dwell? You see, he said, he deceives those who dwell on the earth. I do not dwell on the earth. I dwell in the heavenlies. And because I dwell in the heavenlies, I cannot be deceived by what is going on in the earth. Where did you come from? You came from God. You came from God. Third question, why am I here? Very many people ask themselves, why am I here? I'll tell you the basic the basic answer to why you are here. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. It says, uh, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is what? This is man's all. Another verse says, this is man's duty. Another verse says, this is the duty of all mankind. Every man's first purpose is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's why you are here. That's the first and foremost. As you fear God and keep his commandments, as you follow him and he makes you, he makes you what he wants to make you. Peter was a fisherman. A fisherman, that was his job. That was not his work difference between a job and work. He was a fisherman. Was he brought on this earth to be a fisherman? To fish fish in the sea? Who was Peter? An apostle. Jesus said, as you give your life to Christ, he tells you who you are. In fact, Simon actually means um, unstable. Peter means rock. So, once you actually became a Christian, God gives you a new name. A new spiritual name. It gives you a new spiritual name. You're no longer unstable. You're now a rock. You're no longer Jacob. You're no longer Jacob. Who are you now? Israel. You're no longer a trickster. But now you will prevail with men and God and succeed. Even Paul changed his name from Saul to Paul. Actually, Paul means humble. 
He changes your name. He changes your spiritual name. Where am I going? The fourth question. Where are you going? There is life after death. For those of you that there is no life after death, there is life after death. It is very clear and it is very explicit in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, what will happen? He will live. Though he may die, he will? He will live. It goes on to say, Luke chapter 17, verse, verse 33. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will find it or will save it. Means there is life after death. So I am going somewhere. I've got a hope. I've got a living hope. I have. It is appointed for men to die once. After they have died, is something happening after that? Judgment. Something is happening. Judgment is happening. So God created us to be focused. God is very passionate about focus. He is. He's very passionate about focus. God has created things to be successful. When I mean successful, I'm not meaning, I'm not, I'm not meaning money. I mean, progressively achieving the goals that God wants you to achieve. God has created everything to be successful. He has created the birds to fly. If the birds don't fly, they're not successful. He has created the, the fish to swim. If the fish don't swim, they're not successful. A seed, if it is watered, it will germinate. If it is watered and soiled properly and it does not germinate, then we better pray for that seed. Why? Because he has created it to be successful. Because I know that God has created things to be successful, I will put pressure on God about myself. God, you have created things to be successful. You created the sun. It is successful. You have. You have created the earth and how it rotates. It is successful. So I'm going to put pressure on God. Because I know God is very passionate about success. Let me talk about an analogy here. And then maybe I'll close and, and pray for three, three issues. An analogy here. Whenever we buy a new product, we are given a manual. Yes? Whenever we buy a new product, that manual has an image. If it's got an image of an apple, then it means it's a product of, of apple. Fair enough? Right. So this product has got a maker. One. This product has got some promises and has got some laws. Let's talk about the promises of this product. If you buy a product, it gives you some promises. This product will record, this product will take pictures, this product will do so many things. But it also has got some laws, this manual. It says this product should not be put in water, should not be exposed to heat. It's got some certain laws. So it's got some promises and it's got some certain laws. If I keep those promises, if I, sorry, if I keep the laws, it will function and give me the promises. If this product is defective, what should I do? I take it back to the manufacturer, the dealer. This manufacturer or the dealer, this manufacturer or the dealer is the one who knows intricately this particular product. If I take it to a second-hand dealer, then there's no guarantee or warranty for this particular product. So I've got to take it to the original dealer. The original dealer will take it and they will, he won't even charge you. He doesn't even know you. This product is defective. Here. Yes, they'll take it back and we'll give you a new product. Why? Why will they give you a new product? Why? Because they're thinking about their 
image. The thing about their reputation. Thank you. And I see reputation in the Bible. I see reputation in the Bible. It says, my name's sake. It says, you have sinned and you have done all these things, but for my name's sake, I will get it right with you. So if you look at that analogy and I bring it to the Bible, I see the Bible, we've got an image. We've been created in the image of, of God. This same Bible has got some promises, but it's also got some rules. If I keep these rules, then these promises will follow me. If I disobey these rules, then I am liable to some curses. If there is an issue, I go back to the maker, not a secondary maker. Not a secondary maker. I go back to the maker. He will deal with me. He will put me correctly in the right place. Not only will he deal with me, he will deal with me for his reputation, for his name's sake. And so God wants you to succeed. For his name's sake, God wants you to push forward. You see, God did not create us to go to jobs. That's how I was talking about jobs. When he created Adam, he says, Genesis 2, 2, 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it, to walk the garden. In fact, before Adam fell, I am convinced that Adam was perhaps the, the most successful politician. He was. He would keep the land, he would tan the land, he would administrate the land, but in the cool of the day he would talk to God. Then he would come back again and he would keep the land and tend the land and he will talk to the Lord in the cool of the day. And so as a politician he knew how to take from God and keep the land. But God told him to walk. Walk. And if I look at the original meaning of walk, the original meaning of work there, avad, actually means to worship, service to the Lord, and become what I called you to be. So what he told Adam is this, I've called you to become what I called you to be. I've called you to teach people. I've called you to teach people. I may go for a job in the supermarkets, and I may be arranging shelves. That is my job. But what is my work? That is what God has called me to do. Jesus had a job. What was his job? He was a carpenter. But what was Jesus' work? What was Jesus' work? Let's read about Jesus' work. John chapter 9 verse 4. He says, I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can Work. So Jesus had a job, but he had work. Peter had a job, but he had work. Two different things. Mr. David Aguila had a job, but he also has go work. We are looking at his work. Only if your job is going towards your work, then it's okay. That's why people wake up and go to, to their jobs and are frustrated. I work in the universities and we say go to school, go to high school, go to university, then look for a job. Nobody tells you start a business, run an orphanage, go and start preparing to, to plant a church, 
they tell you to go to a job, not a work. And they even give you a retirement age. Which age? 65. I don't see any retirement age in the Bible. Why? Because you are working for the Lord. Once you have worked for the Lord, once you have worked for the Lord, then the Lord tells you when to go. I see very many of God's people in the Bible knowing when the time had come. David knew when his time had come. Jacob knew when his time had come. He'd gather his people around. Paul said, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight. You see, it's not about 65. That's the job. It's about what God is calling you to do. Purpose, what God is calling us to do. Amen. I think I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here and I, I feel that I've got to pray for three specific issues. When I was praying, I felt the first issue that I'm going to pray for is to make an altar call. I'm not going to ask you to come here, but I'm going to pray for anybody who gives, wants to give their lives to Christ. You see, it starts off with giving your life to Christ. That's what it starts off with. Once you give your life to Christ, as I say, there is focus, there is purpose. And as you follow him, God makes you what he wants you to be. That's the first thing. So I'm going to ask us to close our eyes and bow our heads. If you want to give your life to Christ, please raise up your hand and I will pray for you. If there's anybody who wants to give their life to Christ, um, if you could have this, the, the, the worship team, please. If anybody wants to give their life to Christ, um, all right. If you feel shy, please do come and speak to me after the service, and um, I will pray for you. Second one, I want to pray for those of us who have actually lost their way a little bit when it comes to purpose. Those of us who you knew that God was calling you at one moment in time and he was calling you to do specific things and you have gone off the truck and you want to get back on track. As I said, God will do it again. He will. So if that is you, if you feel that you want me to pray for, the, for you, if you feel that you've had abandoned your purpose or you had become disinterested because of so many things, please do stand and I will pray for you. Father, I pray for these precious, precious people. I ask you, Father, to restore. Restore what the Kantkawam has eaten, Lord. Restore, Father God, Lord. Lord, bring vision once again. Bring purpose once again. Lord, bring focus once again. Lord, I pray that you will touch them. You will strengthen them. You will give them all the resources that they need to fulfill what they want to fulfill. And then finally, thank you, you may be seated. Finally, I want to pray for those who feel that they have lost, they do know what their purpose is, and you want the Lord to reveal to you your purpose. You feel that you, you want some clarity in this area. I want to pray for you as well. I want to pray for also those who have fallen by the wayside and you want to come back. You want to come back and rededicate your life to the Lord? Please do stand and I'll pray for you as well. Father, I pray for this ones. You are a God of restoration. 
You, Lord, you, your word says you bind up their wounds, Father, and heal their brokenhearted. I pray that you bind up the wounds of anybody here who has failed, felt brokenhearted and felt by the wayside. Bring them back, Father. Lord, I also pray, Father God, for those who want their purpose to be revealed. Lord, that you will strengthen them. That as they follow you, as they focus on you, Father, you will reveal themselves, yourselves to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. Uh, thank you to both of you, Steve and David, for being obedient to God's word and sharing from your hearts. We're going to take our offerings. If I could ask the, uh, the ushers to kindly hand out the envelopes. If you need one, please uh, indicate by just raising your hand. Our offering is part of our worship. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> 